Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone ready? So here we are, the Slate Culture Gap Fest in an Acura TLX being piloted through the streets of downtown Los Angeles by our executive producer, Andy Bowers, who it should be said is a lifelong Angelino and the son of Angelinos and basically the best person you could possibly have showing you around LA. Aww. All right, well, let me begin by saying that Andy's blocking the box. <laughs> Me? Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. I like calling him our guru. Andy really is our guru. He's our guru. So the deal today is that he's taking us to a hidden Angelino gem, the sort of thing we wouldn't have encountered in our own explorations of the city thus far. And we don't know where we're going, right? Do you guys? Did he tell you? I know the name of the municipality towards which we are driving, but I don't know the specific thing. You can thing. say it. We're going to Pasadena. Is that where the Rose Bowl is? It's where the Rose Bowl is, the Rose Parade. The Rose Parade. I think we're going to, we're afloat in the Rose Parade. Oh, dear. By, I, by public demand. I haven't dressed in floatwear. <laughs> Andy, can you say something about the history of Pasadena as a town? It's kind of a historic L.A. site, right? Yes. Uh, Pasadena was kind of where the rich people of this area first congregated. And then they would have their summer houses out in Malibu and the beach and things like that. But they... Actually lived in Pasadena. Inland, it's hotter, and in fact, the Rose Parade, from what I understand, was started as mainly a real estate advertisement. They thought that if they had a parade in full sun warmth on January first, that people back east would say, "Oh my God, I'm moving there," and it worked a little too well, as you can see from all this traffic. Uh, one theme of this tour will be movies. Won't surprise you. 
but the area we're driving through now, downtown LA, is often shot for New York, even though it really does not look very much like New York. This looks like some like outer precincts of Atlantic Avenue, if you take that long off-highway mm-hmm. drive to JFK. Mm-hmm. Looks a little bit like that. Yeah. So is Pasadena... Here's what I don't understand about L.A. and your neighborhoods and your so-called traffic. (laughs) So is Pasadena like a suburb of Los Angeles or is it a part of Los Angeles? Or I think of it as like east and sort of distant and and like Tony, maybe a little bit like conservative. But is it like Westchester in New York or like Montclair, New Jersey? Or is it like the Upper East Side? Like, What's the analog or are there just not analogs to New York? Sort of analogs. It is a separate city. Los Angeles County has, last time I checked, 88 different cities in it. And so it's very confusing. For instance, Hollywood is part of Los Angeles. West Hollywood is its own city. North Hollywood is part of Los Angeles. Beverly Hills and Santa Monica are separate cities. But they're in, surrounded entirely by Los Angeles. So you will pass, we'll pass through many municipalities on this trip and not even know it. Um, by the way, oh, over here to the left is Los Angeles City Hall, an Art Deco classic. Right there. It's even on the badges in Dragnet. <laughs> and a, a million things. I, like what was I saw the other day that I think on Madam Secretary actually they used the interior as as the Senate or wherever they were hanging out in Washington. Can you see it? Mm-hmm. But it is still the seat of city government? Oh, yeah. It was closed for a while for earthquake retrofitting, but it's back there now, and the mayor's office is extraordinary, this massive mahogany-encrusted place. So that would be from the 30s, that building? Mm-hmm, yeah. And, in fact, I was watching a, a film noir movie that my dad wrote a few months ago, and it was uh, it was done on the steps of City Hall. It was just like every movie today. It felt... Um, there was a sense of continuity there that I enjoyed. What was the title of your dad's movie? Uh, this one was called Cry Danger with Dick Powell. Dick Powell. Oh, that is awesome. But we're going to do a quick stop here at Union Station, which is the main train station here. And also there's a scene from Cry Danger there and the scene of many, many movies. And you guys can just hop out and look inside, and I think you'll it'll feel familiar. Are there actual trains in oh, California yeah. anymore? Yes. Oh, yeah. You can take the train to Santa Barbara. Sort of. I think you can take it to San Francisco. Yeah, this seems like some kind of subversive, you try to convince us that California has public transit scenario. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I, water. I call bullshit. I've actually done that. I've taken the Starlight Express, as they call it, the Amtrak, the overnight Amtrak that goes down the California coast and culminates here. It's a great train. So let me just quickly park and we'll run in. Is this okay? Yeah. Are we okay? Sure. This is Union Station, Los Angeles's primary rail station. It's still functioning quite robustly, but it's more known as a movie location than a train station these days. Are all train stations called Union Station because of the Union Pacific Railroad? I'm going to say yes, maybe. Sounds plausible. And is it a reference also to it was oh, wait, post-bellum, like kind of the uniting of the whole country after the war, right? So it was like... The Union is united by our train system. That sounds like a completely plausible made-up answer. (laughs) 
This, this part has been closed for years, and I only see it used in movies these days. It'll be anything from a bank to a train station to... I mean, you'll see it a lot now. If you kind of take a mental picture of this, you will start seeing it all over the place. It's gorgeous. It has a, a much, like, darker, oakier feel than the kind of classic East Coast train stations. Yeah, it's, it's so... It's so cool. It really is so cool. It's such an amazing combination of heavy and light. This is a, a feature of Los Angeles architecture, especially from the earlier days, I think, before uh, air conditioning, that it's often very dark. Bars are dark. Restaurants are dark. It's because it's so sunny all the time that you need a little respite from that. Yeah. I feel like we talked about one movie that may have shot here, The Changeling, that like not very good Angelina Jolie movie. I feel like there were all kinds of train scenes, and that was set in L.A. I'm having flashbacks. In the deco period, her costumes certainly go with this. Okay, let's get going. At Union Station, we're leaving downtown L.A., going a little bit north to the San Gabriel Valley and Pasadena. Back in the car. I have not yet bragged about the fact that I ended my evening last night at 2 a.m. by chatting up Stuart Murdoch, the front man of Bell and Sebastian, you in the swimming pool out. on the rooftop bar. Get out. Was it a swim-up bar? Well, he wasn't swimming. I had gotten in the pool. And he was sort of surrounded by people the whole evening. I thought, I'm not going to go chat him up, even though he just gave a beautiful, sublime show. But then toward the end of the evening, he was just standing by himself. So I went up and had like a nice 15-minute chat with him. You waited till he had his beer goggles on, and then you <laughs> totally groupie slaughtered him. Dang He's up. got very gay beer, beer goggles, so I don't think that would do much for him. <gasps> Were you wearing stylish uh, beach wear, as you typically do? I was wearing a, a wet bathing suit with this dress over it. <laughs> but would Stuart Murdoch really have beer goggles on? He would have, like, absinthe goggles on. Or Maybe he'd have peat, like, Scottish goggles. Burnett Branca goggles. <laughs> Lilith goggles. <laughs> Can I tell you guys a secret? I don't really like Belle and Sebastian. Why would that be a secret? It's so <laughs> obvious that you that people without interior lives wouldn't like music that was generated from the inside of a human sensibility. There's some combination of like it feels too jouncy for how thoughtful it is. But that's I what don't I love want about it. I, I love the combination of these hooky melodies with these kind of thoughtful, often sort of theological lyrics. There's also there's this wonderfully contrived quality to all of their music as if it's, you know, some paisley trunk in, you know, your aunt's attic, you know, you found these stack of old 78s and and then you listen to it and so it seems completely fake, faked in a way. But then there's this undernote of like incredible acid to the lyrics that makes you realize it was kind of intended sincerely, even though it was contrived. It's completely know. sincere. I mean, having talked to him and seen them do this show last night that was very communitarian where people invited to come up on stage and dance and finally security men had to throw them off stage because Stuart Murdoch just didn't care if he was just surrounded by dancing groupies. I mean, I think he's just, he's like this little elf who just wants to make magic and joy in the world. That is his mission. Oh, get me away from here I'm dying Play me a song to set me free Nobody writes them like they used to, so it may as well be me. Here am now after Okay, here we are. This was the destination. Do any of you know what this is, what we're looking at? 
it's sort of an Asian looking pagoda oh. house villa type thing. I it's do not, not know what this is. Frank Lloyd Wright, is it? It is not Frank Lloyd Wright. This is called the Gamble House. This is was designed for David Gamble, one of the Procter and Gamble people, by Green and Green, Charles and Henry Green, who are the do you even know who they are? No. This is fascinating because out here they are huge. They are basically the progenitors of the arts and crafts architectural movement. And this is their signature house. And not only is it, you know, copied all over the place, uh, all over L.A. In fact, they have some in Berkeley, too. There's a frat house, a green and green frat house in, at Berkeley that, they, that the frat brothers apparently take lovingly good care of because it's so such an architectural gem. But, um, <laughs> but uh, well, well, we'll go up and look around this. But there's one other claim to fame that this house has in addition to being an architectural gem. And let's see if you can figure out. Dana, you... Uh, but all three of you should should possibly from this recognize. Perspective in the car, we can figure it out. Well, yeah, to the outside. Okay, so from the exterior, we can glean where we've seen the house. Yeah, that's that's what you've seen before is the exterior. I don't think they use the interior. Can for... we ask some twenty questions? Sure. Was it on a television show? Not television. Was it in a movie? Yes. Mm. Was the movie made before or after nineteen fifty? After. Before or after nineteen seventy? After. Can we, let's get out and look at it while we, while we ask the questions. I bet we can net narrow it. Ah. We've seen it in a movie. If, if we're going to be exact, I think the angle you would have seen was from over here, including that. Do you see that beautiful uh, carriage house garage there? That would be part of our public knowledge of it. Yes. Yeah. Gone Girl. <laughs> no. Older than that. It was the Von Trapp's house in The Sound of Music. <laughs> no, no, later than that. But um, let's just describe what we're seeing. It's, it's a very uh, horizontal house. It does remind you of Frank Lloyd Wright a little. This is from 1908, by the way. And the, the woodworking is just extraordinary. We'll go up to the door and you'll see the inlaid woodwork. It's quite something. There's a rumor that this house has zero nails in it or screws, oh, wow. that it was all held together by pegs. That's not entirely true. There are some brass screws in there that were covered by little wooden pegs and stuff like Ikea. But it is entirely custom built. The interior, I don't know how much we can see inside, but the every furnishing in there, all the lamps, everything were built specifically for this house. And it it's really extraordinary. And what we're seeing out here is the, it has beautiful eaves sticking out, very horizontal, three levels, two beautiful chimneys, and then this carriage house over here to the right. I don't know if it was literally carriages or whatever, but that's what you would have seen. So, Julia, you have an inkling of where you might have seen this? Well, I had an inkling, which is that when we saw the carriage house, it began to look a little bit like the parent trap. However, there's also a guy behind you conducting self-video wearing a Back to the Future t-shirt, which makes me feel like it might be Back to the Future. <laughs> this was the house of Dr. Emmett Brown oh. in all three Back to the Future movies. And this is the house where he built his time machine. So the carriage house is the garage where the DeLorean lived. That's right. That was a good illustration of Julia's test-taking skills. She just reads the room and she figures out a way around it. <laughs> Well, let's go up and uh, see what we can, can we see. So, yeah, the door has this exquisite uh, stained glass custom built. 
in the shape of probably a California live oak tree. It's sort of Japanese too, right? Yeah. It feels a little bit like one of those traditional Japanese houses. It is funny because when you see arts and crafts houses on the East Coast, they always look beautiful but feel dark and like not what you need in the middle of a New England December winter. They really are built for here where it's so bright and you want to be in a cozy little dim cool nook. I just love coming here. I love this house. So this is your this is the end of your Southern California architectural tour. Next time you come back we'll move on to the 30s and 40s. <laughs> All right fine Andy you persuaded us of the cultural riches of Los Angeles. It's a short history but it's a rich one. All right, well, that was the end of our secret special extra Los Angeles segment made possible by Acura, which sent us on this awesome national roadshow this fall. This bonus podcast was brought to you in particular by Acura and its all-new 2015 TLX luxury performance sedan. For decades, Acura has built performance sedans with unwavering purpose and passion. The all-new 2015 TLX represents more than the latest evolution. It's the clearest expression yet of Acura's performance philosophy. It's power and control brought into perfect balance. It's anticipating where the driver wants to go, changing the way the wheels move and guide you. It's uncompromised design in the name of unrestrained feeling, putting exhilaration front and center once again. It's that kind of thrill. So check out the all-new 2015 TLX at acura.com/tlx, or better yet, experience the thrill for yourself and take a test drive at your local Acura dealer.